Welcome one and all to episode 41 of the Scum and Villainy podcast, a weekly Star Wars podcast. We break down the latest and greatest in Star Wars news. I am your host, Garrett McDowell, and in my co-pilot seat, it's Noah to George. He's back again. I'm back, and I got a new setup and everything. I'm in a nice, well-lit... I've got a ring light over here. You're a fancy I'm boy. Like, I'm, I'm fully into this whole podcast thing now that we've been doing it for 41 episodes. I know. It's ridiculous. I got to start, set uh, like, you know, stepping my setup now. I'm still, like, just kind of at my desk. I mean, we've both kind of got, like, the ambient, light, uh, the ambient yeah, lighting yeah. behind us, you know? I've got Star Wars pictures in the back. You've got a Star Wars shirt on. We're professionals. Yes, I do. Is what I'm trying to I say. I do. I actually have my... Uh, my International Women's Day uh, Star Wars shirt you know, on, that, which we will talk about later. Absolutely. But the funny thing about that shirt is uh, it's the great Ahsoka shirt with art by Danny Haas, who is a terrific Star Wars artist and all of his stuff sells like hotcakes. He'll have an Ahsoka poster mm-hmm. and it sells out in like an hour. Um, but I have that shirt as well. And I love that shirt so much that I have worn it maybe twice in my life. Oh, man. <laughs> just because I'm just like, it's a white shirt. It's really beautiful. And it was yeah. like not the cheapest thing in the world. And I every time I wear that, I'm just like on high alert, like <laughs> scanning well, people is, like the Terminator. Like, are they going to spill something on me? Am I going like, to spill something on me? Chili. I need to, I need to cross the other side <laughs> of the road. Just run away. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's a great shirt. But um, yeah, I, I, I should have brought it out. That's good thinking. You, you've got like the uniform form on here i am with my my hoodie on less that's all right no it was it was barely even a a forethought i kind of just put it on and i was like wait a minute this works that's because i wear it because it's a white shirt underneath my collared shirt and that's kind of my look well good call from you because yes as you said uh today the day of recording uh the episode will release tomorrow but today is international women's day so we're going to cap off the episode uh, with a big discussion on that discussing some of our favorite female characters but we're going to do it with a little bit of a scum and villainy twist very excited for that uh but before that we've got some news regarding star wars celebration uh some new dlcs confirmed for lego star wars the skywalker saga and we've also getting some new attacks of the clone stories wait a minute Wild. what that movie that's 20 years old well yes it's precisely because it's 20 years old uh, that we're going to be getting those stories but more on that later uh in the meantime noah we've got a bit of a sadder story um but as is the way with star wars we really wanted to talk about it and kind of uh celebrate the legacy and the importance that this person had uh but legendary film producer and executive alan walbridge lad jr has passed away at the age of 84. Um, If you are a diehard, very knowledgeable on the history of Star Wars, Star Wars fan, uh, then you would know that he is the Fox executive who really took this big swing uh, and put his kind of reputation on the line in a lot of ways in order to get Star Wars made. He really uh, believed in George Lucas, and at the time he went to then Fox president uh, Gordon Stuhlberg, Uh, And he really pleaded that this movie would continue to be made. There's lots of production issues that are very uh, famously publicized and talked about, but the the role that Alan played in the development of Star Wars really cannot be um, applauded enough. Like this guy is kind of the reason that Star Wars, you know, second to George Lucas himself, this guy is arguably one of the most important people in the history of Star Wars. So uh, really just wanted to talk about that here. But yeah, Noah, you know, um, 84 is that's uh, what an important and, and, and uh, resonant life this person has had, but still, you know, it's uh, really uh, sad and, and uh, you know, it's uh, it's tough. Yeah, talking about this kind of stuff, it's an interesting kind of uh, way to start off a podcast, but I think it's something that we should, uh, you know, 
I think it's important to discuss here and, and to celebrate the legacy this guy had. Well, it definitely is because, um, and, and it sucks to say that we're getting to the time where um, the lives of these people matter a little bit more because they're not going to be around forever. Granted, sure. no one's ever really gone. Yes. Um, but especially when it comes to Star Wars, because, you know, this is the legacy, right, of, of these people that that are involved in things like this. But, you know... Uh, we have a lot of a lot of people that are involved in Star Wars that have passed away um, and people that are getting up to that age as well. So it's going to be, you know, a, I would say it's going to be a sad decade ahead of us um, when we get more news of this, obviously, with Jeremy Bullock not too long ago um, as well. Uh, it's just some of those, you know, it's 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 a part of life. Um, yeah. But again, it cannot be understated the kind of legacy that somebody like Alan Walbridge had. Uh on Star Wars as a whole. I mean, mm -hmm. knowing that it's very unlikely that we would even be sitting here talking about all this if it weren't for this one guy. And, you know, that's that's insane to me. Yeah. I've talked a lot about, like, and just in, in recent conversations I've had with kind of the, like, the way that you get to the place you are be, is, is a, like, is a consequence of all of the decisions that you've ever made. And right. knowing those things and, like, how a person can end up at a place that affects one thing because they made every decision ever in their life. And if they had done anything differently, it might've turned out to be something completely else, but knowing that totally. we were blessed enough to have something like this happen. And, and it's really, you know, mostly thanks to this one person. That's a huge legacy to have on your shoulders. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the history of star Wars, it's, truly insane that it gets to the point where it is now like if you haven't done a deep dive into all of it like the how the film got greenlit the, the production of the film also the marketing of the movie and the toys of the movie the toys alone it's like mm, it's, yeah. it's it's crazy how all of these these dominoes that seemingly would never fall into place somehow did and then now star wars is what it is now but um, yeah, the legacy of Alan is not something that can be understated. It's incredibly important. Um, and thankfully, Star Wars does have lots of advice and ways to kind of confront death. Uh, so I will close this little segment here with a quote from Yoda where he says, death is a natural part of life. Rejoice for those around you who transform into the force. So thank you very much, Alan. Uh, your history and contributions to Star Wars uh, is will not be forgotten. Uh, and we, we salute you here at Scum and Villainy. We sure do. All right. Yeah, it's not an easy way to transition out of that. But um, speaking of celebrating and celebrating the history of Star Wars and all of those involved in Star Wars. Now we've got some news about Star Wars Celebration 2022 uh, and tickets for that event, uh, which, you know, originally sold way back in the day and have since sold out uh, for the event that was originally planned for August of 2020. Uh, but it was obviously canceled because of COVID-19. Tickets are back on sale, and they go on sale on March 15th uh, for those who are wanting to attend the event who didn't get a chance to get tickets, like me. Uh, now they maybe have an opportunity to uh, go this year. So, Noah, I don't know about you, but this kind of made my day the other day. Uh, it's this a news huge right here. deal. Yeah, it, it really is a huge deal. I mean, Star Wars Celebration is obviously one of those things that it's always a big deal, sure, um, but there's something nice now that we are, you know, a few years into this whole thing, there's something nice about the idea that some things are going to begin to return to normalcy. Mm -hmm. Um, and that being an annual celebration of one of the things that you and I love the very most granted, I will not be attending, 
um, <laughs> which is okay because I had my time in the sun. I cherish Star Wars Celebration 2019 uh, as if it were my own child. <laughs> and honestly, it's so weird. It doesn't even feel that long ago. It and really it's doesn't. Also, like, <laughs> I, I, I know I keep like talking about other stuff, but like it, it's so weird because I know we're going to talk about it later, but yeah, the, when we were at Star Wars Celebration, that was the 20 year anniversary of the Phantom Menace. Right. And that's insane. It's insane. And so I am so happy to know that there will likely be a 20th anniversary for Attack of the Clones stuff there. Oh, there um, is. I, I, I yeah. You, I yeah, sent you some of the merch there this week. Yeah. That's going to be so fun, so interesting to see. And yeah, it's just it brings a lot of joy to my heart to know that this is something that is going to be back up and running. Um, you sent me that poster and I was like, it's a great poster. Man, this is going to be like insane. And it, it felt insane before because we had rise of Skywalker coming out. Yeah. Um, so it's like, how can you get any bigger than that? Uh, this still is like, Hey, we're back on and there's more stuff than ever. So that's so cool. Yeah. It's funny. Like it's such a star Wars thing, isn't it? That like the anticipation for something is almost like so built into the excitement for something like they yeah. go so they go so hand in hand in ways that you know i would argue that isn't really possible for some of these other big franchises like a marvel for example to where it's like you get stuff so often that it's like to me as a as a fan who also loves Mar you know marvel stuff too and gets excited for those things it's like who okay now that thing's done we got this thing next but with with star wars and something that is so special to me is not only with the movie but with something like Star Wars Celebration, it's like, especially with this one, it's like, the, yeah, the last time was, it was just a few years ago, but in some ways it feels like just yesterday, but in also some other ways it feels like it was yeah. 20 years ago. Cause it's yeah. like, look how much stuff has happened since then. But I am just so excited for the opportunity for Star Wars fans to come together, uh, to yes, not only celebrate Attack of the Clones, which is celebrating its 20th anniversary, which I'm also kind of like, I'm excited that the, it kind of worked out that way to where last year, the, you know, the last one was Phantom Menace. This one is, um, Attack of the Clones. And I, yeah, I, I did say you a look at and you guys can look online of the the merch that has uh, some of the early merch we've got some um, attack of the clones t-shirts there's like a really great ringer tee that i'm like ooh, can i pay someone to go stand in line for me <laughs> can i task rabbit someone to go stand in line for me because there's no way no shot that i'm doing that yeah uh, standing in line for like three hours for a great t-shirt i will say that um but yeah i'm i'm completely ecstatic to have this opportunity hopefully you know i still don't have the tickets in hand uh, but I will be there on March 15th trying my best to get them. Uh, but I, I can't wait to kind of get back together with friends and, and other Star Wars fans and celebrate this thing that we've, we love so much and that has kind of been put on hold for a little bit because of the pandemic, obviously. Uh, but getting the opportunity to, to, come, to come together with everybody and then also have some Disneyland fun and all that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. I can't wait. So yeah, I am I'm incredibly excited and, and hopeful that I can get some of these tickets uh, uh, but, you know, well, we're going to have to wait and see. Now, I will say, um, just because I know this is something that's on your mind specifically, two things. One, what is like the thing that you're looking forward to? Having been once now um, where you're like, OK, if I go back, this is something I want to do um, or this is something I'd like to visit or, you know, whatever. That's my first question. Second question are you going up just dressed up like a plain old Garrett or what's happening there? Because you know, that's the mm -hmm. part that I care about. That's true. Yeah. You know, we did uh, last time we went, 
we had done the cosplay thing. You had uh, dressed up as a young Boba Fett from the Clone Wars, which was a great costume. Uh, and hey, then I did, I did the Imperial officer. Um, I will say I don't have that costume in my possession. Really? That is still in storage back home. Uh, I could get it in my it's possession. A, it's no a problem. good costume. It is a good it's costume. It's a really high quality. It could yeah. get uh, sent to me and it could be here, you know, and uh, by Saturday or something. But excuse me. Um, you know, depending on how long I go for, if it's a multiple day thing, mm-hmm. it's likely that I'll do something. I've kicked around the idea. So there's something similar for Disneyland because there's kind of like legal company reasons why adults you know me an adult yeah (laughs) um who can't like dress up as in cosplay technically like because they don't want to break the immersion of everything so i don't know if you know about this but there's this idea of disney bounding which is like i'm gonna dress up as a thing but not dress up as that thing but just kind of wear things that are kind of reminiscent of it reminiscent still it's still out it's still like an outfit and like regular clothes but it's not full on like I'm in a, an entire get up. So I may do something like that. Um, maybe like kind of like a rebel pilot situation, but also the one that I think is more likely is maybe a Cobb Vanth. Cause he's got a sweet looking Ooh, fit, something like man. that. I don't know. Uh, but if it's just like the one day thing, I'll probably just go as regular old Garrett. Uh, but we will have to see what the, um, what that's looking like as far as what I want to do. You know, um, uh, I'm excited that I get to go to hopefully some like bar kind of party situations because last time we uh, we went, I wasn't 21. Now I have the opportunity to maybe go uh, drink some Star Wars stuff with some friends and some other uh, co-Star Wars fans. Um, But if they do have an autograph table, I do not care the amount of money it is. I will not rest until I get an autograph from Mark Hamill because he has the missing piece. I have that uh, great. Princess Leia, Luke Skywalker figure signed by Carrie Fisher, but I got to have that other piece of that. So if he's there, I got to meet Mark Hamill and get that autograph. Um, but as far as events or panels or something, you know, I like going to the Marvel uh, comic panels. The book panels are always really cool. Uh, maybe they'll have some video game stuff because there's a lot of video game stuff on the way. Oh, yeah, they certainly will. Yeah. If there's like a Bad Batch panel or something, that would be terrific. Um, you know, you've, you've always got those big panels, but even that is dictated by how many days you're there for. You know, if I'm mm-hmm. there for one day, do I want to stand in line for the Andor panel for four hours? You know, maybe not. But um, as far as like figures and stuff are concerned, uh, it's actually funny because it kind of will come up in the conversation that you and I will have. Uh, but I would really love a figure of the little droid server from Attack of the Clones. And I was looking at, <laughs> I was the little waitress droid. I was how looking I at. Know, how did I know that? Uh, you know what? We'll get to it. We'll, we'll get, get to it. To it. Uh, WA7 is the character's name. But um, uh, no spoiler alert for me, but they're not on my list. But I was looking at some other kind of background characters and there is a figure for WA7. And I was like, oh, come on, I got to get it. Got, I got to get that. I've got the Dexter. It's got to go with it. So if I go to Star Wars Celebration, I'm pretty choosy, you know, with my Star Wars figures. But if yeah. I go, I am on the hunt like <laughs> like a rabid dog for a WA7 figure. That oh, would that, be really honestly, terrific. That was one of like that was one of my favorite things about Celebration um, was just the sheer amount of. Uh, of stalls that that people had selling oh, yeah. all these toys 
And it's like, yeah, of course, sure. Like, it's not like I walked in there and I was like, wait a minute, they have <laughs> they have people selling all like wait no, a minute, Star course. Wars fans like toys and yeah, random like crap, <laughs> and that's just part of conventions. But like the fact that like I'm thinking back to it, and those stalls, some of those stalls were like 35 feet high, yeah. right? They had like these walls for like t-shirts and and to hang up things, and I was just like like thinking back on it, that that was a, a maze. It was like a yeah. labyrinth that was yeah. just this section of toys and that was one of my favorite things was picking through those bins and yeah and i found a lot of toys that i was like yep i'm picking this up i'm picking this up i'm picking oh, this yeah. up so yeah yeah that's got to be so fun well, especially yeah. with that with that yes. now in the in the roster well i was also looking at because i i don't know about you and it's not just with, with star wars toys it's really anything i don't love buying collector stuff online it's not my favorite unless yeah. it's like here's this new figure that has come out and it's, you know, um, same with movies. If it's a new movie, I don't really care. I'll order it online. But as far as like getting older stuff, I don't really like doing the whole eBay route, stuff like that. It's just not as exciting to me. I like to kind of be out in the wild and see something like that. So yeah, I could get it, that Attack of the Clones figure probably right now. But mm-hmm. if I'm if that's a mission or something for Star Wars Celebration, like when I finally see one, I'm going to be like, oh man, there it is, you know. But something else I will probably be looking for is, I don't know if you've seen, but there is a Book of Boba Fett Lego set of Jabba's or, you know, Boba's palace. Um, And I was like very much so wanting that because um, the original Jabba's palace Lego is like a rare item and it's like four to $500 on, you know, uh, the secondhand sites. But I was like, Ooh, if I get that, not only could it be like Boba's palace, but I could get some Jabba's palace figures too, and kind of have it be this little bit of a hybrid. So I'd be looking for like a Jabba Leia, uh, Jabba Leia, uh, 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 Jabba Lego and then like a Leia, like a slave Leia kind of situation. So I'd be looking on, uh, on the hunt for some uh, little Lego minifigs too. That would be great. But yeah, uh, the, the great thing about Star Wars Celebration, the many of the great things is like, you know, when you go to a regular con, yeah, on the main floor, there's like a sea of toys and collectibles and t-shirts and books and all this stuff. But when you go to Star Wars Celebration, there's an equally big sea, but it's all Star Wars stuff. You know, yeah, you look yeah. around and you're just like, Oh, this is like, this is like a wonderland. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's incredible. Yeah. And I'm um, very much so uh, hoping to do that. Yeah. Last thing that I'll say before we move on from here is you reminded me, I actually do have a toy uh, coming in the mail. And by mail, ooh, I mean, ooh. my father, Rob, is bringing it this upcoming weekend. Um, Rob's working for the, the USPS now? <laughs> it is the... Uh, the Lego set uh, number 21318, which is the 3,000-piece uh, ATAT, and I am so what? excited for it. Yeah. You didn't tell me you're getting this thing? Wait a minute. I, it just the happened big the one? other like day. The, what is this little serial number on that? 21318? It is... It is uh, yeah, two one three one eight is the uh, is the set little number code on there. Hmm. Is that and like comes the big? With, is that like the big one? Like the because I know that there's like different versions of it. Is that well, like the big like, collector's right. one? It's not the huge one. It's not the huge one, but it does come with uh, little. It it does come with little uh, X wing pilot Luke and his lightsaber. Uh, with his little pilot uniform, it also comes with a snowtrooper and an imperial officer which is very fun and it's got like the winch system for him to hook onto the bottom which is just so cool 
Um, it's one of the older sets, so I'm very excited is it, about it. Is it the 40th anniversary of Empire Strikes Back one? Is that the one that it is? Um, I'm, I'm I believe it, it is. Oh, man. It's got like a little General Veers, too. Is that the one? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, that's going to be so cool. I'm so jealous of you. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm recently getting into the... Soon. I'm recently getting into the Lego thing because um, for my birthday this past year, I got the Darth Vader's castle. And I'm so glad that I got that because I ended what up getting cool COVID. Set. It's a great set. And it's one that I've literally had my eye on for years. Um, and mm -hmm. I was so thankful that I got it because I ended up getting COVID. And that's what I did because uh, my roommate Alex like left to go to with family for the holidays. And so I spent Christmas at my apartment alone. Um, and so uh, thankfully, something I had to kind of distract me and to still make it like Christmas <laughs> is yeah. I had this big toy to play with. So I ended up building that. And I got to tell you, it's kind of like tattoos to when you get one, you're like, oh, I know it's expensive, but I kind of want another yeah. one. So, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, that ATAT. That looks terrific. I, I can't wait to get some photos of that. Uh, yeah, you got to you got to you got to snap some pics, put those on the ground. I absolutely will. He'll be he'll be sitting right back there on uh, the dresser behind me once he's built oh, uh, with the rest oh, of the Star Wars like, toys. There's also these little like these little mini sets that are like 100 pieces of like little snow trees. Troopers. Like you could get that and then like make like an entire little like diorama or Just have a whole that'd... diorama. Yeah. Oh, that'd be sick. Oh, you should do that. You should do that because <laughs> I'm not going to do it. So I could, you could do it through me. Oh, then you can get an ATST. You put it right next to it. I oh, used to have a small ATST. Just give me your credit card information and I'll, I'll just start adding like, you stuff know to your what? card. I will Don't take care of it for it. you. I'll go yeah. ahead and swipe that. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you're okay with that, right? Yeah. No problem. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, lots of exciting toys and collectibles that will absolutely be found uh, on at Star Wars Celebration. Hopefully I can go uh, get some tickets there on March 15th. Um, if you're listening and you also want to go, well, then get out of my way because I want those tickets and I will fight any man, woman or child to get them. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, anybody out there that wants to get tickets, uh, your shoes untied. Um, now, Garrett, <laughs> Garrett that's your push cue. Them down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Uh, speaking of Lego, actually, not a bad transition there, if I do say so myself, but Lego, Star Wars, the Skywalker saga. Now, what? we've got some DLC news, more, more details than news, um, but yeah. we've got some details here about some upcoming DLC packs. Some we knew were coming, but we're actually getting some kind of confirmation on uh, specifically what characters will be in there. There's a lot of characters included in this, so uh, if you're listening here and you want to look up that list, you can go ahead and do so. Uh, we're not going to dive in through all of them because there's a, there's a lot of them, but we will go through uh, the four DLC packs, the first of which is The Mandalorian Season 2, then we have Solo, A Star Wars Story, then we kind of have this third pack, which is including classic versions of the original trilogy characters, including Luke, Leia, Han, Vader, and Lando. Curious to see what that'll be. I imagine some sort of different kind of skin variation there. Uh, then we Maybe have the a yellow, the yellow Legos, you know. Ooh, I mean, wouldn't that be cool if it was like the original Legos that were like back in the 90s where they were like the yellow I, versions of them? I bet it would them? be, yeah. That would be wild. That'd be really cool. I'd be into that. Um, and then a fourth DLC pack called the Trooper Pack, um, which has a bunch of different variations on uh, Stormtroopers. And then on April 19th, we're getting a Rogue One DLC, which has the main cast of characters uh, as well as Director Krennic. 
Uh, and then on May 4th, you will see the final release of two, count them, two DLC packs, including characters from Mandalorian Season 2, as well as characters from The Bad Batch. So like I said, Noah, lots of characters. We're not going to dive into onto each one of them. But out of all of these packs, are there any characters or uh, maybe omissions of characters that stand out to you? Well, I was really surprised that uh, the Season 1 Mandalorian pack does not come with uh moff gideon because he's i mean i i guess he's a more of a looming threat in the second one in the second season i guess that mm-hmm. makes sense but just kind of the introduction of him in the season one feels more important um and a little bit more like that's where he's recognizable from but i do understand if you know they're gonna have him have the dark saber so i, th- I sure. think that i was gonna say i think that that's it is like they, they want him to it's like if you're gonna get him and he doesn't have the dark saber it's like okay do we just have two gideons but i think that that's maybe the right. reason is they want that I, I would season say two yeah the only other the only other thing that uh, is a little bit surprising, but not super surprising is, um, also Mandalorian season two is to not have, um, oh my goodness. I always forget her name. Uh, the lady with the Beskar spear that Ahsoka fights. Um, Oh, the, yeah, the, I don't know if like her name is, but it's like the magistrate or something like that. Yes. The magistrate. Yes. Yeah. I don't, I'm sure she has a Wikipedia name, but I think she's like credited as like the magistrate or I I believe. I I kept wanting to say the Madrigal. Uh, it's because I've been thinking a lot about no, here's the thing. Not because I like that movie. Like, I think it's totally fine, but for some reason it's just been on my mind a lot recently. I don't know. Everybody's all up in a fuss about it. It's not. Okay. I don't care. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) It's a catchy song. Uh, the magistrate. Yes. The omission of that. I mean that, yeah, that'd be a cool character there. Um, I think that's, uh, as good as place as any to kind of, say like some of my thoughts regarding some of the omissions and some of the characters included, including like the magistrate, also some, uh, another character from Mandalorian season two that I'm particularly like, Oh man, I was really wanting to play with that character is Cobb Vanth. Um, he yeah. will not be included in that DLC, maybe in the book of Boba Fett later. Um, probably not though. Um, but you know, we don't know if that DLC will be coming. Uh, nonetheless. Yeah. I'm a little bit, I understand that there are, you know, a lot of characters in this game and there's even more characters in Star Wars and you can't possibly include all of them. However, there are some characters that are crucial parts to some of these either TV shows or movies that I'm just a little bit like, it's an interesting choice. I think the biggest one that stands out to me and one that kind of like bummed me out the most was the one, the, the omission of, from the Bad Batch DLC, the omission of Omega. I was a little kind of like, oh, that's a low blow. That's a low blow, honestly. Yeah. And I'm wondering if, you know, in the original Lego games, like the Anakin Skywalker character, they were like the little guys and they had like a special ability to where you could like crawl in stuff and you can like, you remember that you would like go in a little shoot or something like that. Like you had to be like a wicket sized character. Exactly. And yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like maybe hoping that Omega would be able to do something like that. Also, she has a cool weapon with her energy bow and like that would be a really unique thing um, for, for that. And there's like some characters in this that I'm like, I understand like that they're not going to be in the game. Like what like 
um, for for Rogue One? Like, are you gonna like have Jin's dad? Like, like how do you play as him? Like, you know what I mean? Like, he doesn't have a a, a blaster. Like, I understand that there's right. some characters playability wise. It's like, yes, they're important to the movie, but it's it would be different. It'd be kind of hard to have Galen Erso be in a video game, you know. But then there for are some sure. like Cobb Vanth that I'm like. That seems very like it would fit, you know, have him in the Boba Fett armor, take his helmet off. That'd be cool. But, you know, I don't. Yeah, I don't want to, like, kind of stick on the things that we don't have when we have this incredibly long list of things that we do have. So uh, what do you think of some of the characters that we we can't play here? And then we'll move on to the, some of the ones that we are excited for or maybe looking forward to. Well, I do think it, it is interesting. Again, it always has to come back to this. Uh, but we talked uh, a few weeks ago now, probably a couple months ago, about um, Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes and the inclusion of Starkiller. And, you know, who's who's in, in that game that, you know, is interesting and who's not and whatever. Um, yeah. But Omega is a playable character in Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes, uh, just nice. the same as all of the Bad Batch. And she's got her energy bow and she's got, you know, it's it's all a big deal. The Armorer is also a playable character in Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes. Um, and, and this is all just to say, like, and, and they like you had said. Omitted, and omitted in the DLCs is yeah, right. why you bring that up Like here, you yeah. had said, the, how do they fit in in terms of their fighting style? Something that I, that I have appreciated a lot about Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes the more that I've been playing it, which, by the way, I am logging on at least once a day, which is, you know... Sure. Okay. Judge me. I don't care. Uh, but I've been logging on once a day. I can't and so tell I've if you were talking to me or the listener. <laughs> it's the listeners. It's the listeners. Um, I will say this is that the attention to detail in terms of combat is really, really interesting. Like you look at old, old Ben Kenobi has a move where he like draws attention to himself by taunting so that uh, enemy players can only attack him and his move to do so he like lifts up his lightsaber in front of him a little bit reminiscent of when he allows yeah. darth vader to strike him down it's one of those things that's like that's yeah that attention to detail uh really means a lot in terms of the combat for these characters so somebody like the magistrate or like the armor or like Cobb vanth they clearly have these combat skills in their preferred media that would align with the kind of things that we're seeing in the Lego Star Wars Skywalker saga, where they have, you know, just wildly expanded their ability to provide combat for this game, um, whether it's over the shoulder third person shooting or whether it's, you know, using a like a, a two handed or single handed weapon and doing those combats or whether it's just punching yeah. somebody in the face. You have those different combat styles in this game that sure. feel like they would fit. So it's, you know, it's just it is what it is. Um, I do have a feeling that this game is going to probably stick around. So maybe moving to the more positive, maybe that those things are something we'll get later down the road. Um, I can obviously see more DLC happening for this game, which will be fun nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah, it is weird to kind of to to complain about the stuff that we don't get. And that's such a typical Star Wars fan to be like, <laughs> to just, uh, you know, bitch and moan about the things that we don't get while there's like this wall of things that we do get. Um, so I am holding out hope for uh, maybe Cobb Vance to come down the line in the future. I think, th as I said, the one that kind of bums me out the most is Omega, specifically because I'm like, well, unless we get season two of The Bad Batch, I don't see how that character can be 
you know, they're not going to just have like an Omega DLC where it's just like, yeah. <laughs> you pay, do you pay $5 and you get this character? <laughs> um, that's why I was kind of wanting her to be a part of the Bad Batch crew there because everybody else, I mean, we haven't seen season two yet, obviously, but I think they're probably going to like visually stay mostly the same, you know, maybe one person will yeah. get like a poncho or something, uh, but their armor is probably going to be, I would say, mostly the same. So I'm I'm curious to see um, about that there. I'm hoping with the Mandalorian season one, Din Djarin, we get like the brown kind of pre-Beskar version. And then in season two, yeah. we get the Beskar version. That would be really cool. Um, I'm hoping I for that. that. So um, I would, yeah, moving on, I guess, to, as you said, the more positive stuff, the stuff that I'm um, really excited uh, to see uh, happen here. As I said, Din Djarin would be really cool. Uh, we also get to play as Quill, which I think is fun. Yeah. <laughs> like that'll, that'll be a lot of fun. I wonder if he has like a little wrench or something. He could just like bop guys in the head with that. That'd be great. Um, but yeah, I uh, am excited that Fennec Shand is included in this and Bo-Katan as well. I'm really excited to uh, play as those characters. Yeah, it's interesting that like, so knowing that the solo DLC pack is coming in, knowing the omissions there of the uh, the people in the main gang that get killed uh, most quickly are not going to be around um, is funny knowing that like Kuil totally bites it. And like, yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's a single person that was sad for more than a few seconds after Get that. out of town. Get out of town. Hey, that was man, a sad death, I'm just, man. Zero disrespect okay. for Quill on this podcast allowed. It is a sad <laughs> death, but IG Eleven has a way, way, way sadder death. Well, okay. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it's Duh. funny that they're like, they're like, yeah, throw this guy in there. But um, sure, you know what? Fine. I will say, um, with the Mandalorian season one happening uh, and having Grogu as a non-playable companion, I love yes. the idea that. Uh, that you're going to be allowed to have companions because I don't think that that is, um, I don't think that that is like only for the Mandalorian. I think that for the rest of the game, you might have other little things that are companions because I could see having, you know, Dio or something like that as a I was going to say like with Zori Bliss or something. That'd be cool. Yeah. 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 Or a little Babu Frick, obviously, because we've seen him. Yes. We've seen him jumping around in the trailer. So that'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That'd be fun. I'd be into that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's, um, lots of different, uh, kind of additions to this game and, and things that do, um, uh, differentiate itself from the prior one. Like you had said that that's not really something that we've seen before, like the non-playable companion character. I wonder if Grogu is going to be in his little pram there, or if he's going to like I just kind of waddle on beside the- you. Yeah. I've seen like the little concept images and I think he's in his, his tiny little floating cradle. That's cute. That's funny that even the Star Wars video games, uh, not only the Book of Boba Fett TV show, but even the Star Wars video games are like, we're not going to have Din Djarin without Grogu. Don't be ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) There is no no Mandalorian without Grogu. It's just a Star Wars constant. Hey, makes sense. I guess I'll have to get used to it. Um, But I did want to ask something that is not confirmed yet or, you know, uh, confirmed in this in these DLCs here. Um, But is there any kind of concepts for characters or hopes that you have for future DLCs or anything like that that kind of pops to mind here? Because I've, I've got a couple. Well, we've talked about kind of the variants of characters and so far from what we've seen both behind the scenes and and uh, during some of the gameplay trailers and stuff, um, we know that we're getting quite a few variants um, of some of the bigger characters. There's yeah. no surprise there. Loving mm-hmm. that. Um, 
here's what I'll say. I am holding out hope for a Book of Boba Fett uh, DLC because I think that there are way too many characters in there that would go to waste. Um, being able to play as Black Chrysanthemum would yeah. be sick as hell. I would yes. love that. Yeah. Um, so and the that, mod like, gang. And, and the mod gang. I Why could be Thundercat. <laughs> yes, honestly. <laughs> you just go around and you like hop on someone and then just like, honestly, I should be a game developer. That would be my power for Thundercat in the game is like you would kind of hop on someone and then he would like hop off of them and then their like arm would be like where their head is and their head yes, would be like on just their leg or something. Them. That's perfect. That would That's be perfect. so cute. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be so into that. Yeah, there's um, a lot of uh, kind of, you know me, uh, I, I love my skins. I love my different kind of uh, costumes and stuff. Absolutely. So, yes, we do have a young Lando in this, but as you know, one of my favorite all time Star Wars looks is at the end of Solo where Lando has like the all white costume uh, you get mm-hmm. to play that as in battlefront 2 it's one of my favorite skins of that game if not my favorite so i'm hoping that we do get that because it's a great look for lando also i just want to see it brought to life in lego and be able to play as it and uh, just be looking fly uh, fly from head to toe um yeah. also i as i mentioned i think it'd be really cool to have like retro versions of lego characters to where like one that stands out in particular is like boba fett specifically if With you look at his helmet, yeah. Like if you look yeah. at his old Lego compared to his new one, it's totally different. And mm-hmm. so having that retro version would be really cool. Also with like the yellow skin and like for like Luke or something like that. Also, if you look at like Anakin, he's got like that little pressed hair. He's got like a Lord Farquaad like yeah. hair looking thing. That would be great. Um, but then yeah, Black Chrysanthemum is an obvious one for me. Um, as is, I don't know if we're getting a lot of Clone Wars stuff. I would assume that we would, but I would love to get um maul from solo with a robot legs at some point as with the spider legs too obviously yeah you want that big spider yeah that's that's one of those things where i almost am like is it asking too much at this point to say can we get stuff from maybe some of the smaller tv shows or some of the video games and like can we get a Cal Kestis with a little BD one oh, companion man. or can oh, we get, oh, you know, don't Maul even, with don't his mess with me like that, Noah, <laughs> or you know what I'm saying though? Is like, can yes. we get Maul with his, like with his staff lightsaber, yeah. his like cane lightsaber, um, from rebels or, you know, or Cad Bane uh, from book of Boba Fett or Cad Bane, like old Cad Bane, you know, it's yeah. just, it's one of those things. It's like, is it asking too much? I don't know. Maybe. I want Cad Bane with like a little Toto companion and he just goes around little Seth Green. I'd be He's still that. voiced by Seth Green. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> He's the only character in the game that is still voiced by their, <laughs> their, their, <laughs> their counterpart actor. Uh, but yes, lots of exciting ideas for DLCs because the good thing about Star Wars is there's a lot of characters and I would love the weirder and the deeper the cut, the better, in my opinion. Let's keep absolutely. going. Never stop. I will buy every single one of these. I absolutely promise you that. Uh, But speaking of some more content, Noah, that we are getting, Star Wars Insider is going to celebrate the 20th anniversary of Star Wars Attack of the Clones with their 209th issue, uh, which is going to hit U.S. newsstands on March 15th. But they, in this issue here, are going to publish four original works of short fiction featuring some of the film's most memorable heroes and villains, as well as someone else and a little prequel story there. So Noah, we've got four stories here. 
one of which is written by S.T. Bendis, uh, uh, and he is writing, or they, I'm not sure uh, who S.T. is, I apologize, but they will be writing a bounty hunter story focusing on Zam Wessel and a team up with Django Fett before their partnership was terminated, <laughs> uh, to put it lightly. Uh, Richard <laughs> Dinnick is going to write a story about General Grievous's mission to retrieve a Jedi artifact, so we might be getting some little Grievous prequel stuff there. Ooh. And then also, Stop the Presses, Noah. We're getting new Dexter Jetster content out here. Man, I read that in the notes, and I was like, boy, howdy, Garrett's going to do a backflip <laughs> I, on the I, podcast. If I could, I would. Otherwise, I'm, I feel like I'd like crack a <laughs> displace my <laughs> hip or something, and my you'd have back. to finish this stuff without me. Uh, but George Mann, thank you so much, George. Uh, he will be writing a short story uh, as uh, Dexter is going to step behind the diner counter, and he's going to help out a friend in peril, which I got to tell you, that's the most Dexter Jester thing I've ever heard is helping out a friend in need. That would he be like, like his... he like hangs up his apron, his like apron <laughs> in a hurry. And he's like, I got to go help a friend like that. <laughs> he's like WA man, the grill. I, <laughs> I got to yeah. stop out. Yeah. Oh my God. That would be like his cheers theme song is like, he helps a friend in peril. Yeah. I, yes. I can't wait for that. Please more Dexter Jester content. If I, so I mentioned not to go back to Star Wars Celebration. I mentioned I'm not really one to stand in line for a lot of like merch and stuff like that. Uh-huh. If there is a Dexter Jetster plush or a, a good T-shirt, not just any T-shirt, but like a good T-shirt, mm-hmm. might have to hop in line, especially if there's a plush. If there is a plush, I'm going to tell you right now, I will be in there night and day. I will sleep in line for a Dexter plush. Just camping out for that. <laughs> I mean, that's it's almost a long shot, but with the 20th anniversary, you never know. Man, a man can hope. A man can hope. Uh, but last but not least, the final story that we are getting is from Rodney Barnes, who is telling a story about Mace Windu and his squad of clone troopers on the trail of a deadly enemy. So, Noah, this was a bit of a surprise, but a welcome one uh, that we're mm-hmm. getting some original Attack of the Clones content here. So out of the four stories, which one kind of piques your interest the most? I mean, it's obviously Dexter Jetster, you know, here's the thing. Uh, <laughs> As much as I would love to say, as much as I would love to say that the Dexter Jetster story is like the one that I would anticipate the most. Granted, that sounds the most interesting to me, obviously, um, because I love the idea that these authors are like, I really want to take a deep dive into this character and what are they thinking at all times? What's behind, you know, what's behind the facade? And and then somebody says, yeah, I'll do the Dexter Jetster (laughs) one. (laughs) They're like, but. They're like, George, we didn't even, he's like, no, I'll take care of it. Don't even worry about it. Like, George, we have four stories. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to take up a quarter of those. Yeah, he just, he logs, he logs into his Wattpad and like copy pastes all of his Dexter Jetster fan fiction that he's been writing for the past 20 years. He's like, I've already written 30 pages. And they're like, dude, what are you? And he's like, there you go. Here's the first draft. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I will say my like most anticipated would definitely be Mace Windu's story um, for two reasons. One, it feels so Clone Wars, um, which Mm -hmm. I love. I think Mace Windu is a really interesting and almost mysterious unexplored character in the Clone Wars. He has a lot more to do uh, yeah. in the TV show than he does in the uh, either of the two movies, which is so fun. Yeah. Um, but I would say what's really interesting about it is that it feels so much like the Tartakovsky series. Yeah. Um, and I bet that would be kind of the direction that this goes is so just over the top coolness of mm. Mace Windu and his battalion. Um, 
I just think that sounds awesome. His relationship with the clones is very unique, kind of the same way that uh, Plo Koon has a relationship with his clones and, yeah. and Anakin with the 501st. So mm-hmm. that's a very cool story. And it's not every day that we're going to be blessed with some Mace Windu content, mostly because that horse is dead and we have not decided to beat it for a long time. Yeah, that horse got thrown out of a window. He is Dunzo. But Absolutely. yeah, I... Um, It's very interesting to look at the characters, all jokes aside, the characters. I mean, it's a it's an issue in a Star Wars magazine. I understand it's not like a premiere, you know, taking the center stage here. But nonetheless, it is very interesting to to see the four characters that they elected here, especially with Grievous, which made me be like, hmm, this it's, it's interesting to me that the character who is not in that movie is one that they're choosing to highlight here. So I think there has to be like either a thematic or kind of a prequel reason for that to tie them in because I know a lot of Mm -hmm. fans uh, myself included around probably 2012 ish was like no Grievous is cool but we don't really get that much of him Uh, but then you know you watch something like the Clone Wars uh, and you read some comics uh, there was like a great uh, Grievous comic that came out um, a couple of years ago there was like the age of uh, the Age of Republic comic, uh, uh, the Grievous one, which was really great. Um, so I'm curious to see as to why Grievous was chosen. I'm very interested in that. And then also Zam Wessel, who is a great Star Wars character, um, who I'm very excited to dive in more here. Speaking of kind of lesser known female Star Wars characters, mm-hmm. Zam Wessel is one that I'm very interested to see. And I'm curious to see what her relationship is going to be like with Django. Like is a little bit tenuous do they have like a good relationship does it make that moment when he assassinates her does it make it more tragic because they like are kind of have do they have a finnick and fett relationship right. it, or is it the is opposite it very, of that like, you know uh what is it like palpatine and dooku kind of like yeah hey wait a minute i thought we had a deal you know totally yeah and would I, be really i would be really totally and I, i'm curious to see what I think it would be great if it kind of does parallel Finnick and Boba's relationship to where it's like, yeah. think of how far Boba has come from this, like his father, like you, you want the apple to far as far as you it can from the tree, you know, to where it's like Django kills Zam Wessel the moment that he's like an incon that she's an inconvenience to him. You know, it's like, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm washing my hands of this and I'm no loose ends kind of thing. But Finnick and Boba have this, this, you know, we've talked a lot about like the themes of community and, and relying on others. Like that would be really interesting to me. And I, I'm looking forward to that being explored for sure. Yeah, that's, I do think that Zam Wessel's a, a bit of an underappreciated character. And I, I think to me, uh, her appearance in Attack of the Clones stands out because I remember I've said this before on the podcast, for whatever reason, that is the Star Wars movie that I definitely have seen the most. Um, yeah. but also, uh, the, the little moment where she turns her, her head in the cockpit of her ship and her like natural yeah. face kind of shows through, That's I cool. would jump out of my shorts at that scene. <laughs> I like, it scared me so bad when I watched that movie, but like, she's yeah. such a cool character and, I, and we don't see, uh, very, we don't see very many other shapeshifters. That's like kind of a fantastical idea that George was like, no, yeah, this would be in, in Star Wars. Like, I get it. Aliens, sure, whatever. Like, shapeshifters, yeah. that's a little bit more magical and fantastical, but we don't see a lot of uh, of her kind. Um, so, you know, what is she doing and how is she using that, you know, that skill? And, yeah, that's I think that that's really interesting. Yeah, um, I'm trying to remember the name here, but, um, oh, here we go. I just found it. 
Um, the dorky diva, her name is, uh, Savannah. I, I don't know what her last name is, but I followed Dude, her the on dorky Twitter diva for a while. is what they called me, uh, in high school. <laughs> Get out of here. Get out of here with that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Savannah has been working on a Zam Wessel cosplay for a while. Um, and you were talking about things that I have was looking forward to. I believe she's done with the cosplay, but I had kind of been following her, the dorky diva, her kind of journey on making this cosplay. And I will yeah. say if, if they are going to be at Star Wars Celebration, that's something I'm going to be looking for too. Um, because uh, I appreciate like some of these costumes, like I'm talking about, the, like the, the Cobb Vanth one, where it's like, I put on a Hindley and a scarf, leave me alone, where this one is like <laughs> hand sewed and like very impressive. Like I kind of want to, to find that and well, just be like, saw you that, know, kind of uh, give their praises here. In, but yeah. Back in 2019, we saw that Aura Singh cosplay that was like, yeah. I mean, yeah. that was movie quality, you know? Totally. Yeah. So I'm uh, th- just the costume of Zam Wessel here is is something that has always been really interesting to me. But yeah, that mm-hmm. kind of like Dr. Jackal, Mr. Hyde kind of moment where they turn their head and you like see their their whole face. That's something that Ugh, I'm really looking shivers. forward to. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. And I also I'm curious if like now I'm like really diving into this. I'm wondering if this story is going to show like, is that the primary version that that Zam uses like the version of herself or is it, does she, mm-hmm. did they really change? Or maybe it's like a, they don't really like their natural form and they kind of want to look like this. Like Zam's like an attractive character. Like look at like, they kind of yeah. want to look like this, like the sexy bounty hunter or, or is it like, did, are they just using that as like for tactical reasons or is it a little bit of both? I'd be really curious to dive in on that too. Yeah, that's actually very interesting because now, now that you say it in Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes, I mentioned she's a playable character. She, yeah, um, that's the form that she has is her like kind of human look, um, yeah, which is very interesting. And I'm wondering, like, I, I know in in other media, like shapeshifters, like can't do it for that long or whatever. It like takes sure. energy. Um, yeah, but you know, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Is, is it like a little like mystique in like the X-Men movies where they don't want to look like the, their true self, so to speak, but they want to look like this version of themselves that they wish they looked like. I don't know if that will be explored hey, in the story. A, I'm, I'm, there's I'm a kind sermon of in there lot. somewhere. No, there's a <laughs> well, sermon I'm, in I'm, there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, get themes, me off my man, apple crate themes. before it's too late. Yeah. But I'm curious, I'm, I'm putting a lot on this short story. That's going to be in an issue of a magazine here, <laughs> but all that to say, you know, if you look at this article here on StarWars.com, which I implore you guys to to do, all of the writers have like little quotes of like why they chose some of these characters and whatever. And I didn't include all of them because they mostly all say like kind of similar things. And I totally agree with them that like, yeah. despite the fact what a lot of Star Wars fans have felt about the prequels and Attack of the Clones in particular, there is an absolute wealth and like a well of stories that can be mined here and like deeper kind of nooks and crannies to dive on into. And the prequel era is like so key and especially Attack of the Clones, so key in regards to the canon that it introduces and like all the new characters and ideas that are introduced in this film. So that's even a small character like Zam Wessel who has less than five lines. Uh, it, you know, I feel like there's a lot of stuff to dive in there. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to this issue. I will definitely be going to my local Barnes and Noble and uh, buying this issue on March 15th. Yeah, absolutely. Or just reading it before uh, your turn in the checkout line comes up and then you just put it back. <laughs> You know, I just like I'm is. like all right I'm done with this no I yeah, take that's photos me with of the inquirer <laughs> they're very nice yeah go there have my coffee and then dip out of there with maybe a Criterion Blu-ray in hand uh, but no very much so looking forward to that uh, but Noah speaking of women 
of Star yeah. Wars women. It's International Women's Day. Happy, happy International happy, Women's Day. Not to you or to me, but, you know, women. I'm sure they listen to, to the, the podcast. Yeah, to the <laughs> listeners. No, but um, seriously, yeah, today, the time of recording, it is International Women's Day. So, you know, both of us at Scum and Villainy want to uh, celebrate and, and and say thank you so much to all of the, the Star Wars fans, not only fans, but people who have worked on Star Wars, who have helped keep this franchise alive for, for you know, over 40 years now. We are uh, indebted to all of you and as well as fans, people behind the camera know what there's a lot of Star Wars female characters in front of the camera, but you you and I were talking earlier about kind of the way that we wanted to celebrate this and, and we kind of wanted to do a special episode here. And I was like, yeah, we could do an episode where it's just favorite female characters flat out. But I was like, it's probably just going to be you and I just talking about how great Padme is and Ahsoka and Leia, you know, as well as some others yeah. like Mon Mothma. And yeah, there's a lot of great Star Wars female characters, but I was like, you know, it would be more, have a lot more variety and I think would be a, a more interesting conversation, not only between you and me, but also I think for the listeners too, is I wanted to kind of talk about some background, lesser known background weirdo kind of characters. And by that, I mean like characters who are in these movies, but either have a couple of lines or zero lines at all and are just yeah. in the background and just look kind of strange or like, who is that people who you have to really dive on deep into Wikipedia and be like, what's this person's deal? I thought that that would be a really interesting conversation. So you and I are going to, I say rank. Yeah. It's, it's pretty <laughs> loosely termed here, but uh, rank three of our favorite star Wars background weirdo characters who are specifically portrayed by women uh, so I'm very excited to have this discussion here now here's the thing though I, I the the reason that I love the idea of this discussion is that you know we as Star Wars fans were treated to a lot of stuff unfortunately um, we're not treated to a deserving amount of female characters um, mm -hmm. which is so sad to me um, obviously, I, I mean, Ray is, is one of my all time favorite characters, not my all time favorite. And my all time favorite is Ahsoka. That's just, that is yeah. how it is. It's and, how it always will be. My, mine's Leia. Right. And that's, it's one of those things that's like, um, the reason that they're, that these characters are so great is because they are few and far between. So, it, you know, it is going to be interesting to look at some background characters that are like, yeah, they they matter to us in Star Wars for some reason. And, you know, this is just one thing that we can honor today. Um, one of mine doesn't like it, it kind of counts. It has to count. OK, OK. Um, and you'll hear what I mean. But uh, one thing I do think is interesting before we launch into it and I'll let you go first. But I do think okay. that it is likely that we will not have any of the same top See, that's, three. That's precisely why I wanted to have this conversation. And I, will be super, I will be super like intrigued if we do, because that would be crazy. Well, if we do, like, I'll be surprised if we do. But then I'll also be not surprised at all because you and I have like are <laughs> from a similar era, have a similar like sense of humor about yeah, things. Yeah. And there's like i i know that like then there's probably some people listening that will agree but there's like certain lines in the prequels specifically that i'm like 
I've seen these movies so many times that it, the way that they say things is like the cadence in which they say things is like seared into my brain. Yeah. And so there's yeah. like certain characters that you could say the most obscure, nothing line. And I'm like, I know exactly who that person is. And I know like the way that they say that line. So yes, I, I there will be a piece of me that's like, no way we picked these like rando nothing characters. But then I'm also like, yeah, of course we did. Of course we picked yeah. the same person. Yeah. So let's, let's get into it. Let's dive in here. So yes, my number one character, and I think if we are going to have overlap, it'll be with this one. Wait, are we doing? Uh, the, are we doing number one to number three? Or I'm like, doing three. Oh yes. So yes, I'm going. Uh, sorry, I misspoke there. I'm doing number three, and then I'll do number two, uh, and then I'll do. I'll throw a couple of honorable mentions in there, and then yes. we'll uh, hop into our number one. So I'll go number three, and then you'll go number three. So yes, my number three character is Jira. Uh, J-I-R-A from The Phantom Menace. So Jira is the character that is talking to Anakin. Oh my her, God. <laughs> her one line in the movie is... I, that's that's one of my honorable mentions. <laughs> good. Okay, good, good, good. Okay. So I was uh, researching uh, this character, like trying to find... Because we also are going to dive into Legends here because the, the wonderful thing about Star Wars is like these nothing characters suddenly have like six pages on Wikipedia of all the adventure, adventures that they've gone oh through. Oh my word. But I was looking at some of the the quotes for this character. And if you're on the Canon tab, it says, uh, storm's coming up, Annie, you better run home quick. Like, and that's that character. Yes. But if you go to the legends tab, <laughs> the quote at, that is there for them is just the first half of that same quote. And it just says, Oh, my bones are aching. <laughs> <laughs> is that Which, like from a deleted scene? No, no, no. It's, it's, it's when uh, they're with uh, Qui-Gon and they're like walking through the market and it's like just before the snowstorm. And she says, oh, my bones are aching. Storm's coming up, Annie. You better run home quick. Like that's the full oh, quote. Oh, you're but right. If you're, yes. You're but right. if, you're on, if you're on her Legends tab, it, like the one one quote is just like the first <laughs> so half of this like, quote. And it just says, oh, my bones are aching. <laughs> so it's just debated whether or not she said it. We're not sure if that's canon that she definitely said what she said in the movie. That's yeah, so, hilarious. Yeah. I, but it's like if you watch the scene, she very clearly says yeah, that but yeah. i just i thought that 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 character especially attached to this character who's like she's an old an elderly woman i was like i'm i'm really finding a lot in common with myself and jira that yes my bones are too aching mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but her character uh works at a fruit stand uh, she sells juicy fruits called uh pylilis. uh she's described as a very kind elderly women a woman who appeared to share a mutual friendship with anakin and in legends they have this entire Higher kind of she helps in this adventure um, with with Anakin to where the the reason that they kind of became friends is that she had this cooling unit seems like a space refrigerator that kept her foods fresh and that uh, was really necessary in the Tatooine heat mm -hmm. but it broke down so Anakin kind of helped her out by giving her the money to purchase a new one and that's kind of how that friendship developed and then there was this adventure to where. Anakin and Kitster and some of his other friends were like trying to help out these other kids that were in trouble. And Jira kind of came to their aid and like let them use her little apartment seemingly or store uh, as like kind of a, a hub or a location that they could kind of work out of. So, you know, it's the truest kind of uh, Star Wars habit that you have these characters who literally say a line uh, that is now like this uh, uh, this character with this wide array of facts on Wikipedia. So yes, because Jira, uh, that that line in particular has always really stood out to me. But it's kind of that great Star Wars. Um, 
habit that there's it feels lived in you know not only with like the aesthetic of things that yeah. things have dirt on them and there's there's buttons that you feel like do a specific thing it's like one of the great differences between star wars and like star trek for example to where things feel very sleek and shiny in some other star wars things but in star wars uh, things feel lived in and uh an example of that with characters is that anakin kind of has this rapport with this this woman and this this person here uh, that he's kind of uh, had this this friendship with. She seems like she's genuinely worried for him in that moment where she's telling them to uh, hurry home. So I would love to get some more adventures of Anakin and Jira <laughs> and to see where their their kind of relationship developed here. But yes, at my number three, I have Jira from The Phantom Menace. That's so interesting, though, is knowing that like there's there is a character like this that's just kind of the the neighborhood friendly elderly woman. Um, yeah, but it is like it almost is more pertinent because we know that like we know that most Eisley is not a great place to be. And, yeah. you know, but even still there's kind of this community and Anakin has friends that are his age and like he has time to play with them when he's done with work and well, yeah, quote unquote work um, when he's done with forced labor. Uh, <laughs> but then there's also the neighborhood old lady, just the fact that this, this small community is fleshed out in a way that's so funny. Yeah. That's so funny. Exactly. It's great. Yeah. So my number three, uh, is, is starting off strong Noah. So what is your number three pick for your my, favorite background supporting character? My in Star number Wars? three pick. And this is why, like I was going to put my honorable mention here as well, just so I have like a solid one, which was Jira. Uh, that was my first nice. thought. Um, but good, this good, is good. my like number three and it <laughs> kind of counts, but, okay, I'm uh, ready. it is the Boga from Star Wars Revenge of the Sith. Apparently okay. Boga is a female, uh, and is designated as such. I'm, I'm looking on, I'm looking on Wikipedia, which is so interesting. Oh, I see. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't know that. It's like his, his trusty steed. Yes. Um, so what I love about this and, and kind of researching some stuff is, um, and I don't know how recent, uh, a decision like this was. Um, but according to Wikipedia, there are, um, I think about 11 different gender, uh, specifications in star Wars. Um, most, uh, are designated male and female, but there are 11 different uh, genders in star Wars. And, okay. uh, some of them are closer to non-binary. Some of them are closer to ungendered, um, which yes. I think is really interesting. But, uh, looking at Boga specifically, uh, knowing that, that, that this steed, uh, is a, is a girl is like yes. almost doubly I, as tragic, um, to be like, yeah. just, just the idea that like Obi-Wan or not Obi-Wan that I would say like knowing, Boba Fett's relationship with his Banthas, right? Yeah. Where he just loves them so much. Um, yeah. And there's sort of this relationship here uh, because she is such a trusty steed. Um, that's my number three pick. And I was sad to know that there's not much uh, other information about Boga specifically or uh, about Varactyls in general. There's not a ton, um, but about yeah. Boga specifically, there's, there's nothing more than what we know in, um, in Canon. So that's a little bit sad. 
Yeah, you know, it's something that you just never really think about because you just kind of see it as like this big lizard horse that he rides. And yeah. it's like such a it's such like a Star Wars weird like it's the same kind of thing with like the mythosort where it's like yeah, they ride a big dragon creature. because yeah. Of course they do, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but it's yeah, I, I never really thought about that. And yeah, it is it is uh, it, it does kind of make it more tragic, like the more you know about this character. Same with like uh, the Rancor, like we've talked about. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so you kind of have the creature side of things but that's a really outside the box pick i wouldn't have thought of one but yeah i've yes. always loved the, yes. <laughs> the boga and it also has uh, a great action figure something that i would love to have get that with like i put like a little three and three quarter obi-wan on there that would be really cool well but not only also, I, I was gonna well, say not I only that say, but go no, ahead go ahead because you, you and i might be thinking of the same thing my my brother uh, had the the Burger King toy. Ah, see, I know you yeah. and I. Are, <laughs> you're a good fit for podcasting. Yes, I was thinking of the same thing. Where it's like a little tiny plush. Yes, it's very cute. Yeah, yeah. I know. I knew. I knew you were going to go there. But that's that's one of those things. We're that's, both the same braid, uh, yeah. breed of weirdo. <laughs> that's one of those things that's like um, the the little Boga plush toy from from Burger King was like that was my brother's like favorite thing in the world, and and yeah. mine was my Wicket, and we would play with those together. All the time, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's a, that's an awesome uh, number three pick. So I will move on to my number two pick, which is an interesting one because I had to like look up the character's name. And I know that, uh, and maybe some of the listeners know, I like the comics, but I'm a little bit behind. Mm -hmm. I usually wait until some of the trade paperbacks come out and then I kind of catch up on things. So this character, who uh, is a very much so a background character, doesn't have any speaking lines, actually has a bit of a larger role within the Star Wars canon comics. So the character that I picked at my number two is Sly Moore. So this character is a Force-sensitive female native of the planet Umbara, uh, and she served as the Senior Administrative Aide and Chief of Staff of Supreme Chancellor Sheev Palpatine during the final few years of the Galactic Republic. Now, she's the character that is, yes, she's in Attack of the Clones, but you would probably know her as the very pale, bald-headed lady in Palpatine's like box at the opera. Oh, when he says like, "Leave yeah. us." She's one of the the people that kind of dips out. The uh, so the Tilda Swinton looking looking lady. <laughs> <laughs> well, she looks like Tilda Swinton. Yes, yes. I, I guess from a certain point of view, she does. <laughs> yes, but she served as uh, Palpatine's aide uh, along with uh, the Masamita mm -hmm. uh, and, and kind of was, saw the end of the uh, the Clone Wars. So I'm not going to dive in here because she does, she does have a pretty sizable role in the Darth Vader comics, which I promise I didn't really know beforehand. Uh, but she was one of the few people that knew Palpatine's true identity as Lord Sidious and still oh, wow. worked on uh, at his side. And yes, she's from Umbara, which has that great Clone Wars arc. Uh, one of my favorite Clone Wars arcs there uh, Absolutely, on, on, that, on yeah. that show. Um, but she was originally created for Attack of the Clones, and she is portrayed by Australian disc jockey and actress Sandy Finlay. So she's portrayed by a DJ, which I think is fun. That is awesome. Uh, and uh, she had a large role in Greg Pak's Darth Vader run, uh, which is like the newer one uh, that I think started in 2020. But she has an entire plot where she tried to hire IG-88 to assassinate Darth Vader. Um, along with some uh, uh, pirates um, from Bastoon. And she's got a whole uh, kind of plot with Ochi of Bastoon. So they've got this entire 
um, plot going on. And, and at a couple of times in this, I was reading that she goes like head to head with Vader and has like this special kind of remote that like shuts down his suit. And as of, you know, recording this, she's still alive in canon. So she like goes up against Vader multiple times and like lives to see the day. Wow. So she seems like this very resourceful, cunning character who has kind of weaseled their way to knowing some of this huge galactically, you know, ramifying like, uh, you know, with this, this knowledge that has like galactic ramifications, you know, knowing about Palpatine uh, and in Legends this was interesting that it kind of goes to show like some of these background weirdo characters in legends have this in completely other story here, but in legends, uh, she was known as one of the first members of the Imperial ruling council and kind of gained the title queen of the empire. Wow. Uh, and there were rumors that spread around the galaxy that she and emperor Palpatine had a relationship. Oh, this is, it, this is juicy. <laughs> I know it's very scandalous. And so she in this role oversaw a series of experiments on BIS uh, in studying kind of their that's uh, described as a spontaneous generation of life over on Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. uh, and and she uh, in this kind of role here uh, and, and during the Empire's reign was rumored to have kind of died in seclusion uh, on this planet uh, after giving birth to Palpatine's biological son, whose name is Triclops. Some of Triclops. you probably knew that, but his name is Triclops. And apparently this woman, Slymore, is uh, his mom. So I, I, the reason I picked her is just she always kind of freaked me out. Yeah. Like she's a very odd looking character. And it's just kind of like somebody that I'm, I've always just been like, you know, Palpatine's a pretty weird guy. <laughs> he He's always got some weird people around them. And just like his little followers that you see in Return of the Jedi, I've always looked at her and just been like, what's her deal? Like, you know, she's hanging out with Palpatine. Are they friends? Are they coworkers? Like he invites her to this opera. Is it something that she's like, ah, I got to go to this work thing and we're going to see this opera and it's like four hours long and I can't really get out of it. So I guess I'll go. But no, like in reading about it, she's like, she seems all in and she's like, has this a very in-depth knowledge about Palpatine. So yeah, that's the funny thing about star Wars. As I've said, as you dive into these characters, you barely even know the name of if at all. And then you see this entire wealth of knowledge and stuff in the comics and the legends and everything. So yes, my number two pick is Slybor. That is a really, really, uh, the fact that, the fact that there is a wealth of knowledge about this one character, I think you're mm -hmm. probably right in the same kind of, uh, vein as as some of these comic book writers is knowing that there's this character here that had to have had some kind of deal like yeah because you do look at that character and you say what's the deal even with Masameda like you look yeah. at that guy and you're like what's his deal like why is he they're, they're almost like bodyguards but they're not but you know knowing that they're always around like what's the deal with that also, the fact that she's force sensitive is kind of a huge deal. Um, it's very interesting. And there's something that in, in my number two pick, that's another thing where I was like, I think most people don't know that. Um, but it is one of those things. I wonder if uh, with with how attached the Jedi became to um, the Senate, I wonder if there were any Jedi that... Uh, that knew that she was force sensitive or why she was around Palpatine if she wasn't a part of the, the Jedi order. That's such a strange, like, yeah. Oh, this is a huge kind of story that, that we're going to, you know, build around this one character. So 
Yeah, that's, I mean, knowing that there is a huge deal there is kind of mind-blowing. Um, yeah. My number two pick, uh, I think most people know that there's a huge deal behind this, but I mostly want to focus on the, uh, like, how we know this character uh, from live action because um, there's been so much ado about uh, what she's done in the comics uh, yes. that a lot of people know about it. But uh, my second character is none other than chief librarian jocasta new yeah uh only only because uh if you're like me and you know her from attack of the clones uh most prominently and pretty much nothing else then you don't know much about her other than knowing like she's kind of a stingy old librarian right yeah (laughs) like she's kind of mean um here, here's why I chose Jocasta New as my as my number two pick. Uh, is I recently was looking more into some of the deleted scenes and behind the scenes and this and that. There's a really weird deleted scene where Jocasta New is yeah. like admiring the, Count Dooku's the Dooku face. statue. Yeah, yep, and, yep. and there's an interesting conversation there which uh, I love. Um, but knowing that like Jocasta knew kind of had a thing for Count Dooku and Count Dooku kind of had a thing for her, at least in my head canon, uh, yeah. like, cause they're, they're friends, like they're pretty friendly with each other. It's, is very interesting. Um, obviously her role is way more important, uh, in kind of the extended media, uh, still in canon, but she, the fact that she goes toe to toe with Darth Vader and the grand inquisitor as well. Um, yeah, with a big lightsaber gun. Yeah. What like, the which heck? is so wild. It's like, insane. Uh, oh my God. It's insanity. Yeah. So like, again, looking at these characters, uh, from a writer's perspective, from a story perspective and saying that's a character that is not given enough service because they've obviously lived a long life. And I wonder what that life would have been and what that life would continue to be. Where does this person end up in saying like, well, first of all, she's force sensitive. I don't know if most people know that she's got a lightsaber. She's force sensitive. She, she is a Jedi. Uh, yeah. and she's a Jedi master. Not like nonetheless. Um, yeah. There's a small bit in Clone Wars where Ahsoka kind of hints to her um, to her skills with a lightsaber, which is very interesting. Um, yeah. But you wouldn't know that, you know, it's one of those things yeah. that the writers are like, oh, yeah, no, we're going to build out this character a lot, you know. Yeah. And, and I think her character as well has this really interesting role in Attack of the Clones, like thematically. And it, if you think about it, it really does kind of in line is in line with like a lot of the Jedi's kind of hubris in that is like they're unable to comprehend that something could possibly be without their purview in like her, her idea that it's like, well, if it's not in the Jedi records, then it doesn't exist. Truly wonderful. The mind of a child is, I (laughs) love that scene. Well, that's what do you mean? Like the, like the, the Yoda the, youngling scene? Yes, the dichotomy there where, you know, he talks to Jocasta New and she's like, oh, oh I, I see what yeah, you're saying. If yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, on yeah. records. And then, you know, is like, well, how could that be? And the one okay. youngling is, yeah. 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 I just and love then, that. And then, yeah. And then how that, I, uh, you know, we joke about Dexter, uh, Diner, and all of that stuff. But 
I, you know, that is uh, commented on directly by the scene with Dexter is like, well, the Jedi and the powers that be are unable to really help me here. And their own hubris is like kind of getting in the way. So I'm going to go to this guy who has this street level knowledge that I've known for years. And he ends up being incredibly helpful Mm -hmm. and is the one that leads Obi-Wan onto this, onto this journey. So yeah, Jocasta knew is, has always been someone that is like, on the surface just seems like this kind of batty old woman who's just kind of a dick to Obi-Wan. But yeah. if you think about it, I think like thematically there are a lot of, uh, a lot being said there about the Jedi and their own hubris and how, you know, uh, at the very beginning of that movie, uh, the Keati Mundi and Mace Windu were like, Count Dooku's not involved with this. Don't be silly. And they kind of, you know, talk about International Women's Day. They kind of mansplain yeah, <laughs> to Padme absolutely. pretty heavily. Uh, so, yeah, Jocasta Nu is, is a great pick and she has a lot to do in the comics. And, yeah, is one of the the few people that go uh, up to, uh, you know, toe to toe directly uh, with Darth Vader doesn't live to tell the tale, but a sweet gun, nonetheless, a sweet lightsaber gun. It always kind of reminded me of like the the Fifth Element gun, uh, but except oh my it goodness. just shoots yeah. little lightsaber bolts, yeah. Which is one of those things that like Star Wars fans a lot of the time with, with like the Holdo maneuver would be like, well, why haven't they been doing that for so long? It's just like just wait until they hear about the lightsaber gun, because <laughs> <laughs> they would just be like, well, why didn't everybody have a lightsaber gun? But no, Jakashtanu, awesome, awesome pick. Uh, moving on to some of my honorable mentions, I'm not going to dive into all of these too much, but I do have five that I wanted to five. talk about Holy here. Holy cow, I better start pulling up some names out of my booty. As, as, as few as you want, as many as you want, that's okay with me. But I just have, I have, I have five okay. I wanted to talk about. Yeah. It's just some that stand up, uh, stand out to me. The first one is Danae Elberger, who is the pilot from the Phantom Menace, who says, it's blowing up from the inside. Nice. That, that lady. And uh, the reason I picked her uh, for an honorable mention um, is I just, I, I love the idea that in the original trilogy, you don't get a lot of uh, female pilots. Mm-hmm. And so watching the Phantom Menace, it's like one of the first kind of prominent female pilots that you see. And she's got got that great star Wars pilot kind of energy to her to where they just have like one or two lines and they give it all they've got and some good, you know, cockpit acting. Uh, so Danae Elberger, uh, is, is one of my honorable mentions there. Uh, the other one is truly the epitome of background weirdo, but it's, uh, her name is, I had to do some serious digging for this one. Cause I was kind of just like, Lady in the bar, uh, but she is in the Outlander Club and Attack of the Clones. Her name is uh, Haiti Gofai, and she's the lady that Anakin is like walking through the crowd, and she's like kind of giving giving him the oh, eyes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> she's kind of like looking him up and down and be like, mm, "Who's this like tall drink of water who just <laughs> stepped into the club?" Uh, so I picked her. I thought that that was really interesting, and her, like everybody else, has like a, a <laughs> an unnecessarily long Wikipedia page, which I think is really funny. Yeah. Uh, the the third one um, is a bit of an outside pick, but I picked the midwife droid from Revenge of the Sith. Oh, that's um, a good I've, one. I've, oh, I've always really liked that kind of design of that character. And they're like that. Yeah. like That whole sound that they make is really interesting to me. Uh, and just the idea that, you know, you have that kind of that tension in star Wars between the organic and like the mechanical, you know? And I, I think it's interesting that you have something that, seemingly couldn't get more organic than like birthing life yet it's being like ushered along by this like weird kind of droid that also is trying to give some like motherly tendencies and they've got like this big i'm trying to think of what the sport is called but like um big like almost like lacrosse looking (laughs) oh yeah yeah Is, is it curling is that what it is but like this big like little basket arm uh, no that's that like they kind a, of like 
I know exactly what you're talking about. It's, um, I mean, I, I, I definitely, like the sport? yeah, I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. It's funny. You and I are like rattling off these weird Star Wars characters <laughs> names, but the moment, the moment it turns to sports, you and I are like, oh, well, there's we're completely that, there's lost. There's that thing in Jackass <laughs> where they use those, those big hook sticks. Have yes. you seen that bit? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. I just, I just can't think of it. Uh, Anyways. but yes, the, uh, the midwife droid, uh, for my next honorable mention, I have a Rorty, uh, Ventifoli, uh, who is, uh, the lounge singer in solo. Oh, not nice. The, not the weird dude in the jar. No, next but the to half her. head lady. Yeah, she's got like the she's got this great looking. Uh, there's a lot of really great costumes in Solo: A Star Wars Story. One of the best like costume, you know, Star Wars movies in my opinion. But she's got like this weird kind of like microphone recorder kind of situation in her mouth. Like yeah. it looks like a rebreather almost, but got this like really beautiful dress and this necklace on. And she's kind of singing a, a duet with the the Leo Primak, who's like the weird dude in the jar next to her. Always have really uh, been interested in that that scene. And the, the song that they sing is actually really, really good. And it, it is really good. Yeah. On, finds its way on my Star Wars music playlist. Um, okay. And then the last honorable mention, I promise, and then we can move on to yours, okay. is the character of Omera, who uh, you and I agreed that we would keep it mostly to the movies if we could. Uh, but I wanted to throw this one in here just because I want to champion this character. Yeah. Uh, but Omera is the the villager from season one of the Mandalorian who kind of like maybe has a thing with Din Djarin at one point. And, uh, I love the thematic importance of her character. Um, she does have like a bit of a larger role. So I don't think she, not only is she not in the movies, but she also doesn't like quite fit the criteria for the, the purposes of this. Um, she's still like a pretty supporting role here, but uh, all that to say is I would love to see more of her. I want to know what's going on with her. I want to know if the village is doing okay or all the kids doing okay, <laughs> you know, and I would love for this, you know, if the Mandalorian ends, I would love for it to be with him and Omera, like looking off at the sunset. That would be my ideal ending uh, for the Mandalorian. But yeah, I wanted to throw some love for Omera. So Noah, uh, you you said you were going to add a couple on there to pad the list a little bit. Do you have a uh, an honorable mention list that you're uh, ready to share with the class? I do. I've got uh, I've got three. Um, one of them is a little bit of a uh, a joke, but I'm going to keep searching for her name because I'm digging right now, and I'm I'll I'll put it this way. Um, my history is my search history is going to be weird. Um, so I'll start. <laughs> I'll start uh, backwards. My my first honorable mention is uh, Sabe uh, from The Phantom Menace, played by Kira Love Knightley. Sabe, yeah, Sabe. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I just think that that's uh, it's one of the weirder things about uh, the prequels, um, which I, I don't know the the idea of like monarchy in some places, and they go by these kind of regal standpoints that that are so inherently prequel-esque that it's so like kingdomly um it's just really interesting the fact that the queen has a decoy um i love that and it's so interesting that she's played by kira knightley because you kind of wouldn't know unless you know um that's one of my first honorable mentions because she's got a very important role i think you know well and also and i will just tack on here not to interrupt but she does have a a a very sizable role in the ek johnson's uh padme trilogy there yeah um which i have not fully uh, dove into yet but she is giving a lot to do in that and yeah the the monarchy side of things is always really interesting um i don't i don't know the character's name but uh, it also reminds me of what you were talking about in Attack of the Clones. 
um, where the beginning you have the uh, uh, Corday. That's what her name is. Corday, the uh, the body double. She says like. Um, I'm, I, I failed you, Senator. Like, I always thought that that was a really interesting line of like what that means. It's like, you're a body double. You're kind of meant to kind of be the, the, you know, the bulletproof vest in a way. So yeah, diving into all of that and kind of the whole, uh, body double kind of, um, uh, tradition within like the monarchy is, is, is very interesting to me. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then my second honorable mention is, uh, I'm going to, see if I can pronounce this correctly, Bazine Natal. Um, okay. And Bazine Natal is the first order informant from uh, Star Wars Episode Seven in uh, Maz's club oh, yeah. on Takadana. I think that that yeah. is an awesome character design because it feels so, so like... Uh, the the design of everybody in in Maz's palace is so interesting because it is all really new stuff, but it feels really yeah. Star Wars. And so, like looking at somebody like Bazine Natal, you would look at it and be like, "She that kind of looks like something that Lady Gaga might wear." But at the same time, you're like, "No, yeah. this like is pretty par for the course here in terms of." Uh, outfits and she has a apparently she also has a, a crazy long Wikipedia entry where she does yeah. all this other stuff as a mercenary so that's super interesting yeah I've always thought her outfit is really it, it it's kind of like a spider in a way she kind of yeah. looks like a widow and yeah. like and I'm looking on her Wikipedia page and she's got like um, uh, like bombs and thermal detonators in, in her boots, like that she's hiding there. So I yep. kind of love the idea that she kind of like, maybe like a spider kind of like lures people into this false sense of security. Um, but then kind of, uh, you know, uh, un unleashes the, <laughs> the spiders, mm -hmm. uh, you know, full kind of, uh, potential there on them. Like, yeah, she's always this kind of like, uh, she's like got this, like, yeah, this Vogue kind of sense of beauty kind of mystery here. But then also I just, I've loved the idea that it's like, oh, she's this bounty hunter kind of mercenary character, but she's also got like a full face on and yeah. like a, this really sick outfit. So I love that. She's like, no, I'm going to kill you, but I'm going to be doing, I'm going to be looking great while I do it. Like, I love that. Yeah. She's, she's a great pick. Yeah. And then, um, my last, uh, my last honorable mention is, Ula, uh, who okay. is the Twi'lek dancer uh, in Return of the Jedi. And, Love Ula. And the reason that, like, I have to, I feel like I have to pick this character is one, uh, there would be no, there would be no fandom Wikipedia entry for breasts if it wasn't for this character, <laughs> which I think is hilarious and really dumb. Uh, however, um, her, like, character in general actually is very important mostly because um apparently she was supposed to have a much larger role in the story uh but was cut uh due to budget constraints um she gotcha. was supposed to survive and escape Jabba's palace which we know ended up not happening um and uh, another another part of that is that uh some of the i guess background stuff uh is that her uh, her being there in Jabba's palace may have been a result of Twi'leks being sold into slavery. Um, yeah, there's a lot of history on that in the in the books. In the exactly. Comics, yeah. yeah. So yep. her character is kind of one that I feel like is important to to um, that that stands out more than just the fact that everybody's like, oh, you she kind of has a nip slip in the movie. Oh, 
you know. I've got a um, a, a very uh, interesting fun fact about this character. Okay. That I just it's it's one of those uh, it's it's like those useless Star Wars facts that I have in my head. That I'd love could another be, one. Hit me with it. It could uh, let's say it could be space for other things that like I should probably know, but I just don't. But I, instead, I know this. But that uh, character uh, Ula is portrayed by a woman named Femi Taylor, and she yeah. is uh, a frequent at a lot of conventions and, and things like that. I've never had the opportunity to meet her, but the fun fact that I know is that yes, she was in the, you know, the uh, return of the Jedi, the 83, you know, uh, original movie there, but she is the only uh, actor or actress to reprise their role for a special edition alteration. Wow. So there are some alterations in the 97 version of the special editions that she came back uh, 15 or, uh, uh, what is that? 14 years later. Yeah. Um, and to, to, uh, refilm. So she's the only actor or actress to reprise their role for some special edition changes, which I think is interesting. That is. And I'm reading that right here on Wikipedia, uh, I'm totally verifying that. So that's really interesting because they re- they do some close-ups of her face, um, yeah. instead, which is very interesting, but yeah, that I, is I know my... the shots. Yeah. yeah I know yeah, the yeah. shots that exactly is. She's like kind of pulling on the chain and like yep. screaming. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That is, uh, that will wrap up my uh, honorable mentions. Well, I think that is a great list, which brings us to our number one. Now, my number one here is one that has a couple of lines, but speaking of characters that I just think are uh, great at fulfilling their role, and it's something that I would like, if I was to be in Star Wars, I wouldn't want to face the wrath of the fandom that is like, oh, I'm going to be like a leading role. I'm like, no, put me in as a pilot and mm-hmm. have me say like two or three lines, and that's it precisely the role that Miss Tally Lintra, uh, also known as Talison, uh, pr- uh, fills in The Last Jedi. She is the pilot, the young woman who says, uh, bombers keep that tight formation, fighters protect the bombers it's not every day we get a shot at a dreadnought so let's make this count i think that she is like grade a cockpit acting like she is such a great uh kind of addition to the long gamut uh in the the list of of star wars pilots and those actors uh she is so good in this scene uh and really also plays a very important role in that she is one of the people that gets killed as a result of Poe's kind of, um, uh, his, his eagerness and his, his unwillingness to have patience in the entire like arc and the, the lesson that he learns here. So I've got some fun facts about Tally Lintra. Uh, she was a, a human female pilot, of course, who served as a Lieutenant and squadron commander in the resistance's Naval branch during the new Republic era. Uh, we all know this, but before joining the resistance, Lintra lived on a farm with her parents on, the planet Pipip 3, which I think is a great oh planet boy. name. <laughs> Man, that's hot. Uh, where she learned how to fly using her father's old RZ-1 A-wing interceptor. Love A-wings, and she is an A-wing pilot. She is an uh, A-wing she also pilot, has, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she is. I love A-wings. Uh, but she also had a sister named Callie Lentra that also joined the Resistance. Uh, sometime after joining the Resistance, Lintra participated in a series of missions against a group of pirates in the Cassiander sector. Uh, and by the time of the war against the First Order, Lintra was known as one of the Resistance's most capable pilots. She piloted an RZ-2 A-Wing interceptor and served as Blue Leader during the evacuation of Dakar, which is, of course, where we see her unfortunately meet her demise uh, aboard the Radis at the hands of a pair of missiles fired by 
guy, Kylo Ren. Come on, man. Come on, man. Kylo. Uh, but if you want her uh, first appearance, which I did not know this, I assumed it was The Last Jedi, but it's not. It was actually Star Wars Battlefront 2. She has oh, like wow. a little bit of a cameo in that. But if you want to read more about this character, you can do so uh, in issue 28 of Poe Dameron, as well as issue 26 of Star Wars Adventures. So I think she has kind of like uh, some of these other characters that we've talked about here. She has this important thematic weight to the story. Her death isn't just... Oh, we lost another one. You know, it's 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 actually yeah. got some resonance here. She's also makes the most of the lines that she has, and she's very memorable. Uh, and I would love to get some more Tally Lyncher con- con- uh, content here. So yes, my number one pick uh, for those background supporting Star Wars ladies uh, is Miss Tally Lyncher from The Last Jedi. I will say her her lines in that really do kind of make the scene. That that entire scene is just awesome it is really yeah. really sick um it's great. Yeah. and you're totally right like that's a um that's a that's a huge like part of the the pilot energy um especially you know like i said i recently watched uh recently watched rogue one and you know having the in the cockpit view of a lot of the pilots um is so good yeah. because you know, yeah. Star Wars knows what they're doing with stuff like that. And I think The Last Jedi is no exception. Um, really, yeah. really interesting pick. I'm I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that I wouldn't have thought of that. But that also is a really good, you know, having that line also burned in because I think those are some really great lines. Um, it's so like, you know, you wouldn't e- you wouldn't even know, you know. But she's also got that other one, which I think out of the lines that she does have that are more burned into my brain is where she says bombs away. And it's like, it's a really, it's, it's really cool. It's very memorable. Uh, I love that line, but yeah, she's one of the many, uh, many actors in that, uh, in that scene that has like that great star Wars acting, you know, there's the, there's that first order, uh, commander, uh, who's like fire on the deck. Like that guy, like it's, yes. it's he's got this, the great kind of like, um, uh, that actor in particular has this great look before he dies. I'm not sure, uh, of the, the, uh, the actor's name. I'll, I'll do it while you, uh, while you're talking, maybe I'll okay, uh, yeah. find it here, but that look like just before he dies where he kind of is like, and I know that in canon, like it. he has this, he has this history with Hux where they like disagree about things like tactic wise. And I love that look that he gives of just like this little prick got me killed. Damn yeah. it. Like yeah. he, he's like, he seems like this old kind of seasoned vet, you know? Uh, but yeah, uh, Tally Lynch is one of the many, uh, you know, I, I wish that there was like star Wars pilot acting one Oh one. Cause she would absolutely be like an adjunct professor in. <laughs> yeah. How do they pick people like that? That just do such a good job, you know, like all the I don't pilots kind of have the I, same I, I energy. Wanna f- I want to find out, man, because that is like a dream to be like just a pilot who says like one or two things and then just yeah. blows up. Like that's, knowing, that's knowing all that I you're, want in Knowing Wars. that you're able to like be sitting there and you like you've got the line down pat where you're just like, he's on my tail. I can't see him. And then you just die. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> you're like, nailed it. That was it. Awesome. Let's yeah. wrap this up. One I mean, take, it's, Jake. It's so funny. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny that, yes, there's like behind the scenes stuff and there's special edition changes. But like originally, that's what Biggs Darklighter was. And look, I've yep. got his Funko Pop literally right here. So yeah. it's, it's funny that <laughs> Star Wars fans uh, latch on to the uh, smallest uh, kind of seemingly uh, least consequential roles. But as we've talked about, yeah, they have some more thematic importance. Uh, so that is my number one, Miss Tally Lynch from The Last Jedi. Noah, 
dying to know what your number one is. Well, here's the thing. You kind of took the air out of my sails. I was hoping you wouldn't say it before, but you did. And I was like, man, that's okay. My number one, without a doubt, is Corday. And I'll tell you why. Great. Um, I, so first of all, I apologize. No, it's I apologize, okay. but, but great pick. Great yes. pick. Uh, so here's, here's my like connection with Corday, um, is again, out of all the times that I watched, uh, attack of the clones, um, mm-hmm. the opening scene where she gets absolutely annihilated, scared me to death. And it was partly, <laughs> it was partly the blood makeup, like on her lip. Like there's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. like a thing of blood that comes down her lip. And like, mm-hmm. to me in my head, I was like, that is the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like yeah. by far. Yeah. Uh, and, and I couldn't even sit through jaws when I was that, when I was that old, <laughs> but like I'd watch attack of the clones and I'd be like, ah, oh, that's, oh, that's horrifying. It's too um, spooky. Yeah. And I, so here's the thing. Unfortunately, Corday does not have a huge, uh, entry on wikipedia i will say though um there are some some interesting things in here first of all so her name is corday with like the e with the little accent on it um here's something that i didn't know is that the handmaidens that serve padme all of their names are changed to have that e with the accent her name was originally i did not know that either yeah her name was originally cordin with a y n uh, the same is true with uh, Dorme. Her name was originally, uh, I think it was Doran or Dora, um, and her name changed to Dorme. That's so interesting. That, like, oh my goodness. What a world-building thing. I mean, for me, I've talked about it a little bit. Like, I'm writing a story right now. I'm writing, like, a novel. And, like, that idea yes. of world-building is, like, oh my god. That, like, I love that. Um, so, Corday has, you know, a very, very, very small moment. And when I mean very small, I mean, uh, this is interesting behind the scenes when she's walking out of the, uh, ship from inside, uh, the cruiser, like when, when they're walking down the entry ramp, she actually was played by Natalie Portman, uh, which, yeah, I didn't know that either. Why? Like, that's so strange. Well, uh, I think I think it's because they they want that moment to be like a real fake out to where you're like, oh my god, did this movie just start off with Padme dying? But you yeah, know, uh, not only was she played by Natalie Portman, but this character who is such a small character was played by another actress, uh, which is the stunt actress. The stunt so double. this very small character had three actors playing this character, That's uh, which so I think weird. is very funny. Uh, and now I will say, here's another thing, and why it's kind of burned into my head. Uh, this character in general is. I love the idea of the handmaidens. I think that's such a cool concept. Um, Again, like Padme, really, really, really strong female character. And you have these royal court, uh, the royal Naboo, like handmaidens. Again, super interesting because you have them like willingly laying down their lives. Um, Yes. I will say, though, having her as the decoy. When I was a kid, I was always confused that Corday was the decoy. Um, but then in the Phantom Menace, um, Sabe was the decoy, right? Played by, uh, yes. Kieran Knightley, uh, and Dorme was also a decoy. However, like all these people are different. And then also you, in the same like scene, Captain Typho comes in and I always was like, wait a minute, uh, 
what's his name? Uh, Captain Panaka looks really different. I was like, yes. did they replace Captain Panaka with this guy? Like, but they're two different people and it's so strange, but it's also that like weird kind of lookalike body double thing, um, where they're all kind of in this court and they all kind of look the same. And it's, I don't know, as a kid, I was like, this is so interesting to me. Um, last thing I'll say, last fun fact I'll say, or no, I have two fun facts about Corday. (laughs) One, uh, Wikipedia confirms, and I don't know why, uh, but Wikipedia confirms that Corday had a sister who was a jeweler. She worked as a jeweler. Uh, and that's just it. Like here in Wikipedia biography, Cordin was a human female born on the planet Naboo. She had a sister who worked as a jeweler. That's it. That's the only, like, that's the only entry. And like her sister's Wikipedia or Wikipedia page is just Corday's sister. <laughs> what, what's going on? I don't understand. That's funny. Uh, and yeah, then last, so I'm looking, um, Oh, go, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say last fun fact about Corday is that, uh, Captain Typho did not want her to be, uh, Padme's decoy because she had terrible hand eye coordination and therefore was no good with a blaster. So, so there's that. They got to drag her down like that. I I, I do want you to do me a quick favor while I, while I talk about this note, but go to our uh, show notes at the very bottom. I've included the production still of Corday because they always would like snap pictures of their costumes and everything. And hers is rather unflattering. Okay. <laughs> want to Google it as well. Uh, <laughs> you can go ahead and look at it. But um, yeah, Corday is one that uh, I was looking is not like entirely involved in the EK Johnson novels, but is always a character that has really interested me and sets the stage up so well for attack of the clones and really has this intense kind of, um, just like the Phantom Menace, it literally starts the movie off with a bang and you're, uh, you know, I've loved that. I've always been fascinated by, uh, the, the, the way after the, the opening crawl of the Phantom Menace, it like, goes up not down which is like oh yeah i didn't know you could do that you know <laughs> uh but that that opening scene there is um is is great so do you have that pro- that photo of that production still noah you i get do to see this unflattering <laughs> photo of corday poor it's, corday it's loading right now my computer like i had said before we started recording my computer is so yeah, slow, slow right now uh if so you guys it's want loading. to also look it up yeah if you guys want to look oh it my up, goodness listener, gracious um, she she looks she looks <laughs> she like has a, like she looks like a Barbie that has seen one too many rough days. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because like she has this beautiful dress on and her hair is all up and everything. And the production still that they have on Wikipedia is her just like post explosion. Post explosion. So, <laughs> yeah. She's got like yeah. She's got like the actress is just like standing in front of like a gray curtain with like blood down her face and like soot all over her. She and, looks like, her like hair a corpse. Is all messed up. She looks like a corpse that's like propped up like they used to do in the 1800s when they first invented <laughs> cameras. Yeah, they just weekend at Bernie's, this poor woman. Get a better photo, Wikipedia, of Miss Corday. Come on. Is that the best we can do? It is not very flattering. Uh, Her canon photo, she has a better uh, photo on, but that's the Legends one. Um, But yeah, that's like her canon side is like the photos on your Instagram, and then the Legends one is like the photos that you're tagged in. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, Uh, yes. Unfortunately. Well... 
I don't know about you. This was a lot of fun. I really I had a liked lot of fun. Uh, diving into this and uh, doing the research for this. This was really great. Uh, but once again, yes, here at Scum and Villainy, want to extend uh, a happy International Women's Day to you. And also go ahead and uh, tweet at us at ScumVillainPod and let us know who some of your favorite background uh, women characters are. Um, there are plenty of uh, options there. If we, we talked about it, it could just be somebody that has says a line kind of strangely or is just checking Anakin out at a bar. You know, whatever it is, uh, we would love to hear from you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. Well, anything else to add, Mr. DeGeorge, before we uh, call today and wrap it up? I think we just uh, I think we just have to call it a day. I think that's it. Awesome. Awesome. We'll go ahead and take us home, buddy. For sure. I'll do my best, even though uh, the show notes deleted the outro. Thank you guys so much for tuning in with us today. We hope you learned something today. I know I certainly did. I did if too. If you've got any topics or bits of news that you think we should cover, you can head over to our Twitter at ScumVillainPod. Shoot us a message there. But for now, this has been Scum and Villainy with Noah DeGeorge. And Garrett McDowell. And may the force be with you. We'll see you next time. See you guys. See you guys.